B-Pod Studios. Jimmy! Jimmy, who doesn't love Jimmy? I can't stand him. Yeah, you know what? Your phone's never right, Jay Stu. What you need to do is stick to wrestling. Stick to wrestling with James Stewart. Stick to wrestling for Tuesday, 666. Oh, no, it's uh, June 6th, 2023. Is presented by FanDuel. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everybody. To those who listen on Tuesday, to those who listen on a different day of the week, thank you. Um, the big story for me this week is AEW and New Japan just announced two matches for Forbidden Door, which is coming up later in June. It's Brian Danielson against Okada and Kenny Omega against Will Offspray. Forbidden Door now has become a, mo- a must-watch pay-per-view for me. And it's not because there's some great story involved in this. What AEW has done is they have put together two dream matches on their biggest platform. And that's that's the simplest way that they can tell a story right now. And I know, or I feel strongly, that these are going to be two outstanding singles matches. We saw Omega and Offspray at the Tokyo Dome back in... January uh, to kick off the new year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So this will be this, their second match of what I assume is going to be their trilogy. And that trilogy is going to conclude at the Wembley Stadium show for AEW All In. That's my assumption. That is my guess. Danielson versus Okada. What a dream match. What just on paper looks like this amazing could be greatest singles match of all time. But here is my problem with both of these matches. And I'm looking forward to them. I am watching them. I'm making it a case. I'm making it a point to focus and make time for this. If this if these two matches were at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday, I'd set the alarm for 3.30 and make sure that I'm up at 4 a.m. to watch them live. Because that's how good these two matches are. In the same way that when Kenny Omega was... In his story with Okada, I knew those were going to be great matches. They paid off to be all four of them. And you'd figure out the timing and you'd watch them live. In the same way I watched uh, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. I watched that show live because it was just, it was for me, it was just a must watch experience. So thankfully it's going to be in Toronto. It's going to be on Eastern Standard Time. So I don't have to worry about waking up at three, four in the morning to watch a match. Because I want to watch it live. I want to feel it live. I don't want to have the urge, like if they're in a headlock or a down move, have that urge to hit the forward button until they're out of the hold because it kind of might take away from it. So happy that's on Eastern time. Here's the problem. Here's Here are the two problems that I kind of have is the story with Danielson and Okada outside of them two, being these two great wrestlers who have never met before really isn't there. And maybe it doesn't need to be there. Maybe it'll just draw on its own in that these are two great wrestlers we've never seen, and that's that's enough. Maybe that is enough. Kenny Omega and Will Offspray, they have this story, but have they really flushed it out on AEW TV yet? And that might be may, again, maybe these these things don't matter, but I think if they had better stories 
more relatable and maybe I'm just overthinking it, but these two matches should do great numbers, but they could do better numbers. The AWTV could be better. I think it could be better. Like, I think there's room for growth there. And this goes to this whole collision thing. Like, are people really going to watch pro wrestling on Saturday night, week to week? And I'm not sure that they are, but if you're Tony Khan and you're AEW, like Warner media is offering you a million dollars a show to do on a Saturday night. Like you have to take that money. This is the whole, why is there a third hour of raw? Well, because somebody's paying you for a third hour of raw and you have to figure out the creative that makes that work. And maybe it doesn't work. And you know, the raw and SmackDown rate SmackDown's up, but SmackDown's a two hour show. So you have to keep creating stars and hope that you don't oversaturate the, the market with pro wrestling, which I think there is too much pro wrestling right now. Like you're going to have, don't worry, I'm going to get back to the Okada offspring thing, but you're going to have a Monday night raw show. Maybe because there's talk that that show might be changing nights. You have a Tuesday at NXT, Wednesday at dynamite. Uh, I don't think you have Thursday night wrestling. You have two shows on Friday. Well, you have multiple shows on Friday, unless Impact. Impact might still be on Thursday. I'm sorry. I, I've I've only watched highlights of Eddie Edwards and uh, Deanna Perrazzo because those are the only two Impact wrestlers that I'm interested in. So Friday night is SmackDown, and then there's Rampage. And now you're adding Saturday Night Collision every week. And then is there a premium live event? Is there a pay-per-view? And that gets into interesting waters because if there's – an AEW free TV show that's loaded. Do I watch that or do I watch the WWE SummerSlam, WWE Money in the Bank? Uh, I already paid the $100 a year for Peacock. So I'm probably going to watch the premium live event live and then I'll see what's on collision later. But it's this this TV dynamic. There's just there's too much wrestling. And so I'll get into my viewing habits and why I feel that way in a little bit, but back to the, what I think is probably an obvious point. And maybe it's not obvious. Maybe it's not obvious to you. It's it feels obvious to me. Okada's beating Danielson. When does Brian Danielson win a big match? It's been a long time since he's won a big, important match. He'll go time limit draws with Kenny Omega, Adam page. He loses to John Moxley. He loses to MJF. When was the last time he loses um, last year's stadium? I must call it stadium stampede anarchy in the arena. So when is, when is Brian Danielson going to going to win a big match in AEW? Because his value, uh, he beat Chris Jericho leading into his loss to John Moxley for the AEW championship, right? That, that, that happened. But, I kind of see Okada winning this one unless they're going to do a trilogy with Okada and Danielson. And if they're doing that, would you rather have Okada win in Toronto or would you rather have Okada win in London? And then you have the tie. You know what? I just, so maybe this is what happens. Danielson and Okada. Danielson wins in Toronto. Okada wins in London. And then they do the rematch, the third match in the Tokyo Dome, New Year's. And then Okada goes over. That feels like the only way that they can 
really have this. Danielson needs a big win. I feel like I've been saying this for a long time, but Danielson needs a big win. If he's the best wrestler in the world, and I think technically in the ring, like psychology, like everything, Danielson's great. He's amazing. His eco-friendly run is still one of my favorite things. And WrestleMania in New York that year, like tell me the Kofi Danielson match wasn't the best match on that show. So Danielson has has it. He needs a win. He definitely needs a win. I don't think he's going to get it. I think Okada is going to win if this is just a one-off. Because Okada Okada is not Okada is not flying to Toronto to lose to Danielson. And I again love Danielson, but Danielson's also a villain ish. So that's kind of predictable. Will Offspray beating Kenny Omega is kind of predictable too, especially if it's for the IWGP US Championship. And then that series is now 1-1. And then you have the tiebreaker in London, which I would assume Will Offspray is going to win. But that's kind of like how my vision that's kind of how my vision of how these matches play out. Uh it just I just go back to Danielson needs a win here. But these are two outstanding dream matches. And AEW's putting them on. Just they could, if they had a story, I think that they would draw even more and they would help AEW go to that next step, that next level. And maybe and again, maybe they don't need story because they sell out AEW sells out all their pay-per-views. They just they've sold sixty thousand tickets for a football stadium in London without announce, without announcing a match. So maybe AEW doesn't need a story and they're fine. And business wise. They're getting a million dollars a show for Collision. Their other deal is up soon. They're going to get more money for that. They're fine. So, but like eyeballs on the product, I think that if they really want to compete with WWE, they they need that that great story, and they need to streamline it on AEW TV. Because I think week to week, the best AEW story has been the Matt Hardy firm stuff, and that firm deletion match was fun to watch, but. The payoff was 5.30 on Friday in that firm deletion match, which you can go to YouTube and watch it, but 5.30 because you're preempted for a basketball game or a hockey game, or it just wasn't, it wasn't their A story. And, you know, for continuity purposes, for story purposes, like that was a great, that was one of AEW's better stories, but I love Matt Hardy. I love the Hardys, but they're not in a position where they're not the A story. And maybe that maybe that's a thing too, is maybe they should be the A story. I'm not advocating for that, by the way. I think that your champion, in this case MJF, should be your main story. Unless you have such a great dynamic feud, like that the champion isn't the A story because you have such superstar power away from the championship. So I guess the comparison would be they thought the elite versus the Blackpool combat club was that based on their last pay-per-view because MJF went on somewhere in the middle of the card and anarchy in the arena closed the show. And MJF had a great comment, great comment in his post game, in his post match media availability, media press conference, where he was asked, are you offended that you didn't go on last? And he goes, I don't want to be rolling around in John Moxley's blood. And that's a great MJF answer. 
And then Tony Khan is like, well, you know, the championship hasn't been on last three of the last five double or nothings. So makes sense. I get it. I still like the old school fan of me wants everything revolving around championships and stories and the champion. I just, that's maybe I'm just outdated, which is highly possible. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. I do think that pro wrestling is at its best when it does have a story, a big time depth feel filled story. So SmackDown this past Friday night had one of one of its higher TV ratings. And why? Because fans wanted to see live in real time, the fallout of Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso following the two Jimmy Uso super kicks to Roman Reigns, which cost Roman and Solo, the tag team championships against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. When we get to Labor Day weekend, this bloodline story will be three years in, which for pro wrestling right now is insane. But it's a great story. It's a it's an outstanding story with twists and turns. And the the promo as of Tuesday was watch SmackDown to see Jay Uso make his decision. Great teaser. Great hangover. Um, cliffhanger, not hangover. Cliffhanger. But this is this is where the pandemic and the no fans helped develop a Roman Reigns character. Helped develop a longer term story where it's not just pro wrestlers talking into a microphone. It was WWE superstars during the match. You can pick up their audible comments within the heat of battle. And that has led us to where we are today and all the different twists and turns of the bloodline story. There's an argument to be made that Roman Reigns is not the villain in all of this. The story would be Roman Reigns is trying to bring everybody up as the tribal chief and he keeps being betrayed by Jimmy and Jay Uso, Sami Zayn. Like there is, there is an angle to this where Roman Reigns isn't portrayed as this narcissistic, insecure, paranoid leader where he is trying to bring everybody up and bring everybody to championships. And it's really the viewer's choice it's the fans choice to see how that they view Roman Reigns. And that's, that's one of the like many, many layers to this bloodline story is you can just watch how Roman is trying to bring people up and he's doing it through tough love. But society today doesn't love tough love, doesn't want tough love and the betrayals. Right? So there's more depth to that, but, Friday on SmackDown, it's Jey Uso. Jey Uso's choice. Jey Uso, who, if you've been listening to this podcast, 
you know how I feel is that Jey Uso should be the one who dethrones Roman Reigns as the undisputed champion. By the way, the new belt, fine, whatever. It's, they had to. The detail that I thought I initially saw was it said Universal Champion, which didn't make any sense, but it actually says Undisputed. So does Paul Heyman have to carry around three belts? Does Paul Heyman want to carry around three belts? Or is Roman just going to wear the one new, um, for lack of a better term, the Snoop, Gar- the Snoop Dogg Golden Championship? But to the point of wrestling being at its best when there's story involved in it, if you look at some of the highest drawing wrestling angles, quote unquote, wrestling stories, it's the mega powers explode. It's Hogan and Savage. And that was over the course of two years or so. It was in the Monday Night War era. It was WWF doing Austin versus McMahon while WCW is doing Hulk Hogan as a bad guy. And which side is Sting going to be on? And then they build to this Hogan Sting match. And that's that's a that's a whole nother podcast of how they effed up the Hogan Sting match. And now you're into this bloodline story, which is doing amazing business and is helping WWE with their business and their ratings. And and from that point of view, that's and there's buzz. Like there's people, there's people who aren't wrestling fans who are like, what's going on with this bloodline thing? That's what people people who aren't usually wrestling fans are asking me, like, what's with this Roman Reigns Jey Uso thing? So that's a good that's a good thing for pro wrestling. So I think one of the reasons why I haven't given AEW a lot of love lately is it goes to their stories aren't really connecting with me. And and quite frankly, like as much as the Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes thing was something that I uh, that I was interested in seeing, but I didn't know what it was until it was presented in front of me. There isn't really a story that's gripped me. It's more characters that have gripped me. So on Raw last night, Cody and Dominic Mysterio were in the ring at the same time. And you know the story is, is that Cody had a story with Ray years ago. And Cody's big line was the biggest mistake Ray ever made was you referring to Dominic Mysterio. But like Dominic's character is fascinating to me. Uh, I was happy to see Damian Priest get a world championship match against Seth Rollins, uh, especially after the whole Bad Bunny performance, which was great. And they've teased the breaking up of Judgment Day, where Damian Priest is in the ring being like, I, I can beat you without Finn and without Rhea and Dom. And so, like, there's a little seed there. But for my viewing habits, it's I watch my favorite wrestlers. And uh, I should say I pay attention to my favorite wrestlers. So, for example, like, yeah, I've got I've got Ron, but I'm not like singularly focused on it. I'm doing other things, but I'll pop my head over and be like, oh, Cody's in the ring with Dom. I'll turn up the volume on that. Okay, done and done. Oh, Seth Rollins is wrestling Damian Priest. I like both of those guys. I'll watch that. So I kind of wonder if those are your viewing habits as well. But I, I, I've said this for a long time. I felt this way, that if you're a wrestling fan and you just watch the premium live events or the pay-per-views with the video repacks, recaps, you might love wrestling because in those you know two, three-minute videos right before the match, you're caught up on the story. It's a great synopsis of it. But if you're grinding out every single show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, soon Saturday 
and then your pay-per-views, your premium live events, like God bless you. Like it is, it is a grind, man. It is just a, Oh, ring of honor does Thursdays. If you're part of honor club and based on the numbers, you aren't, um, which is sad, but that's kind of AEW kind of became ring of honor in, in how they did business. And, Again, I'm happy that people have jobs, but how long are those jobs going to last if people aren't watching? You have to think of the business net profit on all that stuff. So, like, I, I mean, I'm concerned about Ring of Honor. Like, if they're not getting their Honor Club subscriptions, but their pay-per-views are doing well, like, what's the balance, right? And I don't know that. I don't necessarily know that end, but just, you know, the the final point on viewing habits and everything is, like, New Japan, for example, New Japan just had their Dominion show over the weekend. Um, so I didn't, I did not catch that. Um, I watched the Tokyo Dome show back in January. I'll check out the G1 because I think the G1 roster is going to be loaded this summer. So that's about six weeks of, you know, cherry picking matches to watch. If it's not the whole thing, I, I, I couldn't tell you if I've watched an entire, like every single match of the G1. But I know that, like, I've done the, the the New Japan World subscription, and I've you know skipped around, and I've been like, oh, Moxley's facing facing this guy, or um, Okada's facing this guy, or you know, Kenny Omega's facing this, or um, um, Kenta is fighting this guy, stuff like that. But. I do have a good grasp of the talent that they do have. And that's why this forbidden show will work, I think. But uh, I do, I do love MJF, how he hates, uh, how he hates new Japan pro wrestling. So I'll actually be interested to see if they're going to do MJF against a Tanahashi or I'm trying to think of, or a NATO, maybe MJF versus NATO is the match that they go with, but. I'd be interested to see who MJF's opponent at Forbidden Door and who CM Punk's opponent at Forbidden Door. Because CM Punk, Tony Khan announced that CM Punk is going to be at the United Center and doing the collision thing. Doing the collision thing. CM Punk's a whole other podcast probably, by the way. Like the fact that he's going to be back, he's going to be working the schedule, and they essentially create a show to bring him back. And there's all sorts of reporting out there about Tony Khan sending Punk a breach of contract thing. And I don't know. Just make it work. There's so much money on the line. Just make it work. Like, it's just like there's so much silly money on the line. Just make it work with whoever you're working with. Like, it's not that serious. It's pro wrestling. It's sports entertainment. Just make it work. Backstagecountry.com. Your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. So my final thought for this week, Jerry Springer tribute right there was I was fortunate enough to attend NXT Battleground in Lowell, which of the seats available, uh, the fans locally sold out. So congratulations, good job, and you're welcome for all the publicity that I gave to NXT. 
That's where you're supposed to laugh. Hopefully you did. I realized a few things in my, in my watching the show and it was a really good, it was a really fun show. I don't know what British rules are <laughs> and I wasn't really invested in the heritage cup. Uh, Wesley is outstanding and he's a great representative of the North American championship for NXT. I hated the fact that Dijak lost to Dragunov in his hometown or in his home state, in his home area. Um, I, I didn't love that finish. I didn't love Dijak losing. I thought the last man standing match was outstanding. I thought it told a, a great story of the match, uh, for the match. I just didn't like Dijak losing. And maybe there's more coming with Dragunov and Dijak, but kind of doesn't feel like it. Kind of feels like Dijak is done with NXT and kind of whatever his next move is, I'm not sure of. But they just debut this new uh, criminal law character and he loses his first match or he loses this big match. Like it kind of did not make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Tiffany Stratton won the NXT Women's Championship and she came across as a huge star. Um, her opponent looked visibly shaken when she didn't get cheered when she thought she was supposed to, but Tiffany Stratton's a star. She's only two years into the business. She's going to have a good long run with that championship, I think, unless something comes up with her. Either she gets called up to Raw or SmackDown. She gets hurt or there's some issue that we never hear about publicly but it's a rumble backstage because those things do happen and i was i was talking to somebody at nxt about the difference between uh so there are injuries on sports teams that we never actually hear about and sometimes there are things that are going on in locker rooms that we never actually hear about and we're like oh why did that happen that was weird so hopefully things like that don't happen to Tiffany Stratton or any other talent where their their push their push to the audience their their movement up the card um, becomes compromised by some other issue. So it's kind of a hope there. But she uh, Tiffany Stratton's got like all the she's got sports entertainer superstar written all over. So. Uh, she should be good going forward. And the main event was Carmelo Hayes defeating Braun Breaker uh, for the retaining the NXT championship. And then on NXT on Tuesday, Baron Corbin attacked Carmelo Hayes, which is perfect. Absolutely perfect opponent for Carmelo Hayes is Baron Corbin because everybody hates Baron Corbin and doesn't know what to do with him. Um, and actually, my friend Avir uh, said while we were watching the show, while we were watching Battleground together in Lowell, he says to me, he's like, Baron Corbin would be a good next opponent for Carmelo Hayes. Nailed it. Nailed it, that one. Uh, so a few things with me just wrapping up here. Uh, if you watched Battleground, you saw my appearance. If you follow me on social media, you saw my appearance where Braun Breaker shoulders me, uh, knocks me. Uh, I, well, I wanted him. Braun was great to work with. And I said to uh, George Carroll, who was the gentleman, he's one of the producers, writer. He was the other guy in the suit with me in, in that shot. 
I wanted, I actually wanted Braun Breaker to pop me for real so that I could walk into work the next day and have a black eye, a bruise on my face, a bruise on my head, or bust me open or do something like that. And when I said that to the, the writers and producers, they all laughed. Braun laughed. And I said, no, no, no. Like, I'm serious. Like, pop me. Make it nice and black and blue so that I can go into work and I can talk about how, you know, this this evil villain wrestler popped me, popped me. Um, because I was wearing a Carmelo Hayes shirt while he was walking it. I thought it would have been great. They said no. Um, but it was a fun experience uh, watching. I got to the building about noontime. And I got to kind of experience the full NXT production. And I can't thank the people at NXT and WWE enough for the access that they gave me and the trust that they put in me. Uh, it was a once in a lifetime experience to really see how to see how they did their business. And there's a lot of stories that I want to tell right now, but they're probably better told in five or ten years when there's a little distance between them. But it was a fabulous experience. I get to meet and connect with a lot of people. Uh, I really got to understand like their process. And how obsessive they are about details in that process. And I think if a lot of fans could see their day, maybe they would think differently about critiquing as harshly as we do about, you know, certain like small details or things that we think should happen, but things that couldn't happen because there's X, Y, or Z reason. So. That's just kind of my little bit. And by the way, I do this too. Even with that understanding, I'm still like, yeah, they could be better. But I think I think your perspective might change a little bit if you got to sit and walk around and see how much time and effort is put into it. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. But I, I know that I have certainly a different appreciation for how their creative processes and in just a whole bunch of levels. I'm trying to be generic so that I'm not like breaking anybody's or violating anything that I saw that I shouldn't be saying, but I think that there's a good like they put a lot of work in it and their their ultimate goal is to make the fans cheer boo. And I think that's kind of what they I think that's what they're going for and it's not always a hit, but their intentions are for the best. So that is it for me for this week stick to wrestling. Uh, I will talk to you next week because I blab blabbered on for about 30 minutes now. So, uh, yeah, Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door is going to be good. And uh, I will hopefully be servicing our AEW fans a little bit more. I do understand that I haven't been uh, giving you much AEW content as maybe you might be looking for. But, like, I don't know. The wrestling stories just – they're they're – I haven't connected with them, so I've got to do a better job of connecting with them. But uh, that is it, it for this week. Uh, everybody have a happy wrestling week.